Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Follow me on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten M. Um, it is Thursday, May 21st, 2020, and it was a very, very big day yesterday for all NCAA sports as the NCAA officially announced that football, men's and women's basketball, will be able to return to participate in practices starting on the 1st of June. This is absolutely enormous for the future of college football this season because multiple coaches had said, ideally you're looking at six weeks plus to get their teams ready. Uh, Some coaches said they could do it in four, but you know, football is a sport where you need to get into football shape. Uh, You can't just jump up and go that's why there's training camps in NCAA in the NFL football is not a sport where you can just pick up and go I mean there's not a lot of sports like that I think basketball is probably one of the only ones where you could say all right uh, you know I might be tired uh, but with substitutions I'll be able to get in and out and you know be good Uh, football it's your body needs to get accustomed to the hitting and the banging and when your body is not, it needs a certain period to get reaccustomed to it. So this is huge, absolutely enormous going forward for football because this is just a sign that it looks like the season will be played during the time frame that it's supposed to. There's going to be no adjustments to out-of-conference schedules, which was something that was proposed. It was bantered around that potentially conferences would just get rid of the non-conference schedule and just play conference games. So this is huge. This is absolutely enormous. And going forward, it's definitely something to monitor. I think this is, I I might say a little early. I personally, uh, when you're looking at the end of August, um, you know, you're, I, I would, I'm not sure if I would have pushed it to you know the middle of June. Uh, June 1st is okay. It still gives them an opportunity if, say, a team gets a breakout of coronavirus because that's the thing with this right now. The coronavirus comes in groups and it comes, uh, it, it's not necessarily transferred between physical contact uh, it's more of the contact with fluids. You're talking about, you know, saliva, et cetera, et cetera, coming through your mouth, uh, your your snot. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest with you, football, you're right there. And so uh, this will be an interesting go around. And I think that, you know, with basketball, you can kind of, you know, you can get on close to people, but it's not necessarily as close. I mean, football, it's literally, you know, it's a hand-to-hand combat sport. I mean, it's not a combat sport, but it is a combat sport. And you're looking at the fact that, you know, they're going to be right there on top of each other in piles. And definitely, I wouldn't say, you know, for sure, exchanging bodily fluids, uh, saliva, etc. But uh, definitely, you know, close enough where that, you know, they're, they're breathing on each other. And, you know, it's it, it's definitely something to watch for. I, I think that you know, it's, it's a smart idea that they've set a date in order to open. Uh, when you look, and a lot of states are trending towards that way. Uh, here in Illinois, it was announced yesterday 
that the stay-at-home restrictions will be lifted on the 29th, which is uh, a week and a half from yesterday. So that's the end of this month. And then, you know, they're, they're going to start gradually reopening things. We've seen other states do that as well, including Ohio, Georgia, Wisconsin. So uh, California has eased up on their restrictions as well recently. You know, they were looking at, you know, a stay-at-home through September, uh, which clearly would impact the Pac-12 and then any games you know, that would be played over in California as well later on. But you know, they're starting to ease it up. Uh, I Personally, I'm a little bit concerned about a, a, a second spike, a second wave of the coronavirus, because historically, as you've seen with these kind of global pandemics, that happens. It seems as if everyone's on the down curve and everything's okay and then all of a sudden you see a massive spike again so that's definitely something to watch for right now it's very you know especially the the states that i just mentioned you know in the big 10 footprint you're looking at ohio and wisconsin uh clearly only one school one big 10 school in each of those states but that's definitely something to monitor going forward watching how those states react what they've done and if there are outbreaks again because if there are outbreaks in the early states that have opened it's just a for you know it's it's forecasting what could be for other states and i think that's a little scary but uh, that's still nevertheless i've kind of digressed a little bit here uh, but it is very pertinent because that's something that we're dealing with right now and it really has a lot to do with athletics as well because you're unable to be close to other people and not pass around this disease. So my assumption is is that I haven't seen anything about this uh, going forward, but you have to assume that each NCAA athlete staff member that's going to be around will be tested at some point in time, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, really good news on the football basketball front. Uh, and you know it looks it's very promising it looks very promising that there will be a season on time no truncated season nothing like that coming up this year so that's it's a it's a breath of fresh air it's a relief and you know going forward we'll see what happens uh, the NCAA also uh, extended the eight hours of virtual recruiting that they will be able to do uh, through the end of the month to kind of go with the June 1st deadline there so uh, pretty interesting uh, I, I like that the NCAA has had multiple proposals they've looked at multiple things and you know they're keeping their options open so I like what they've done they've handled it very well and uh, you know going forward uh, you're gonna you're, you're gonna see some cautiousness I think and a lot of teams and a lot of schools have to and uh, I, I think going forward that's that's something that's really smart and and speaking of that um came out yesterday that uh, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith uh, mentioned that there's potential of playing in front of uh, 200 to 300,000 fans. Now, that might seem like a lot of fans, but remember, Ohio Stadium holds 100,000 plus. That is 20 to 30 percent of capacity. That's really not that large amount of people. You could say the same thing about if Penn State's going to do it, if Michigan's going to do it, both of their stadiums, over 100,000 they would be able to have smaller capacity. Yeah, it's not the most ideal thing. In college football, I think that the the fan experience is something that you just can't replicate. Uh, it's the tradition 
that many schools have you know, with their band coming up and, and the entrances and so forth. Now, yeah, you could see the band and all those things uh, on TV. Sorry, that was my watch. Uh, and you can be there, but, you know, actually being there and physically being there, that's something different. And for them to be able to get in that amount of people, uh, I think that that is not ridiculous. Uh, I think that you're, you're looking at, you know, 20 to, like I said, 20 to 30% of capacity, which really, in all reality, isn't a ton of people. Now, if you're looking at a, a smaller stadium, uh, potentially, you know, like when you go to uh, Northwestern, you're looking at, you know, 50,000, 60,000 people. Uh, then you're looking at, you know, 10,000, maybe. That, that's, you know, 10,000 to 15,000 there. Uh, open air uh, has shown that, the transmission of the COVID-19 isn't as bad as closed enclosed spaces. So I think that, you know, going out and getting the 200,000 to 300,000 fans, not the worst idea, not the worst idea. All right, moving on to their rival, uh, Michigan, and Jim Harbaugh. He joined Mike Tirico yesterday, and they talked about a plethora of things. But the, the biggest takeaway that uh, I saw yesterday was the fact that Harbaugh knows he needs to beat Ohio State. 0-5 so far in his career has not beaten them yet. And uh, I, I think that it's uh, it's interesting to um, go about going with this. And, you know, he's sad. It's hurt. He, he needs that W. And uh, I, I think that he really, uh, you know, in order for Michigan to be a competitor inside the Big Ten, you have to beat the Big Dog. You have to beat Ohio State. And... Penn State is, you know, that's why I think that it's Ohio State and then Penn State uh, and then Michigan and then Wisconsin. They have to beat the big dog. Penn State recently has beaten Ohio State. Michigan in the last five years, no, they haven't. Wisconsin, uh, they've they've given battles. They haven't quite broken through. Uh, they they did a few years ago, but not the 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 monster that Ohio State is is now. And I think that that's something that uh, you know that. that Bears watching. Uh, Harbaugh really needs that W. This would be a a year where it probably doesn't set up exactly perfect for him. Uh, has to break in a new quarterback. Uh, has to, you know, he lost some very good defensive players as well. Uh, when you look at what they did in the draft, I mean, hell, they they sent ten players to the NFL through the draft, and that's not including the players that signed as UDFA's. So. There's a lot of talent in that team. There's plenty of talent. That's not the issue. It's the, the game day mentality. And I think that's something that Harbaugh has to look very hard in, in front of the mirror and say, hey, you know what, I, I might have to change things. I might have to do things a little bit different. So we'll see if there is any change at Michigan, the way that they go about trying to beat Ohio State. But uh, nevertheless, uh, he knows, Jim Harbaugh knows that that, that needs to happen. And it's right. He, it needs to happen. Uh, speaking of that interview as well, there was another thing that I thought was pretty interesting. And that was the fact that uh, Harbaugh is okay with uh, playing in, not in front of fans. Uh, again, I think that that is, uh, you know, it's not quite right. The student experience, part of it is going to football games. My student experience, uh, I, I didn't understand how it was when I was a freshman at Ohio State. I didn't get it. But you know what? After that first weekend on campus and that first game, that first home game, and you realize that it's a ghost town on campus. There is nobody there. You get it. You understand it. So I think that the college football experience is 
just as much about the players and the winning as it is about the fans getting in there and being part of the tradition and just enjoying college football. So uh, I, I think that's something that is interesting. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, but if it needs to happen, if it's for the safety of the players, support staff, etc., and it has to go on, then I'm okay with it. I'm okay with either way. I think that you know having plans for other things makes sense. You know, Ohio State is saying that they could have twenty to thirty thousand doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have twenty to thirty thousand. They're planning ahead which makes tons of sense and i think that you know ultimately if you can have fans and a small amount of fans do it please be my guest if the safety of the players again and coaches staff etc if that's at risk with fans in the stands don't have fans in the stands it's that easy all right Let's move on to uh, some recruiting notes from yesterday, and we'll start off with the Fighting Illini. They actually added another regular recruit, and they went out to Georgia and got defensive end Sidarius McConnell. Uh, McConnell's a pretty solid player, 6'3", 260 pounds, a decent offer list. They beat out in-conference Minnesota and Wisconsin, along with Wake Forest, Vanderbilt, Louisville, West Virginia. Again, I like this kind of commitment. This is the kind of guy that Lovey Smith can build on, and he's going to be around for multiple years. Uh, you know, grad transfers typically are, are looking for that way to get into the NFL, to move on to the next level, and regular transfers are as well. And this is a guy that I like. I think that he's got a good frame. 6'3", 260, he's got enough where he can add on some extra weight from a good football state in Georgia. Great addition for Lovey Smith. Good job, Lovey. Well done on this one. A Rutgers and Greg Schiano, two days, two commitments. This time, New Jersey athlete Desmond Igbanosan. Igbanosan. That's a tough one to say. Igbanosan, and I might be butchering that, but uh, 6'3", 195-pound athlete, had offers from Pittsburgh. Purdue, Syracuse, a good offer list out of New Jersey for Igbenosan. Igbenosan is a guy where I, I think that fits what Greg Schiano is looking for. I want to know what position he will ultimately end up playing. If I had to guess right now, it would be in the defensive backfield, but uh, it depends on what happens when he gets to college. If he's able to add on 30 pounds, he could be a fantastic middle linebacker. But uh, regardless, a good addition to the Rutgers class for Greg Schiano in athlete Desmond Igbenosan. Nebraska added a grad transfer in wide receiver Levi Falk. Uh, Falk, he's from South Dakota. He's going to be a walk-on, so that's not going to count against the 85 scholarship limit. Uh He's a, he's a bit player. I think he's more of a depth type of guy. Uh, he played very well for South Dakota in his sophomore year. Uh, four touchdowns, almost 500 yards. And then his junior year, it saw him significantly decrease his output, getting just nine catches for 85 yards. So, uh, like I said, I think he's going to be a depth kind of guy, a bit type of player. He's not going to add much to the Nebraska football team. Iowa's redshirt sophomore defensive back DJ Johnson has entered the transfer portal. Uh, you know, this uh, this is a little bit surprising because I think that Johnson had an opportunity to really get on the field this year, but you know maybe he didn't see it that way. And it's tough to know, really. I mean, a lot of these. 
players who are jumping into the transfer portal right now, they don't really know where they stand because there was no spring ball. They don't know where they're going on into the season. But, you know, some of them get reports from their coaches and say, hey, this is what's going on. And they don't like what they hear. And ultimately, they leave. Uh, because when you're looking at a, a, a guy that's been on campus for three years, I guess you already know what you're getting. And you could see the progression. And, you know, if Kirk Ferentz didn't like it and he told Johnson you're probably looking at fourth or fifth on the depth chart, maybe Johnson wanted to go somewhere else where he can be higher on the depth chart and get some actual playing time. So uh, we'll keep track of where Johnson ends up, but won't be in Iowa City for this coming season. So yesterday I gave you the top 65 to 26 coaches that CBS Sports ranked. Well, they finished up their rankings yesterday, and there's a ton of Big Ten coaches in the top 25. We'll start off with Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern's head man at 21. Paul Crist, Wisconsin's at 17. P.J. Fleck makes a big-time move. He is ranked as a top 15, right at 15, coach by the CBS experts. Right behind him is Kirk Ferentz. At 14, the Iowa headman has been nothing short of consistent throughout his career there. Jim Harbaugh is at 12. Uh, I think you can make an argument that Harbaugh could be lower, but when you look at things, he wins. He just doesn't, unfortunately, win against the top-level competition inside the Big Ten, and that being Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. But aside from that, they beat everybody else. So uh, I, I think that he's got that bugaboo on him, and I talked about that earlier. He knows that he needs to get over the Ohio State hump. But, you know, aside from that, you know, Jim Harbaugh is a pretty decent football coach, pretty decent. Uh, Ryan Day checks in at number 10. Uh, there's a lot of wiggle room for Day to move up on this list. I think that if Day was three, four, five years into his tenure at Ohio State after he did, and if he continues to do what he did in year one, you're probably looking at a top five coach up there with uh, Dabo Swinney, uh, Nick Saban. You're, you're probably looking at, you know, that guy. That is where Ryan Day could end up potentially. So uh, early on in his career, for him to be ranked as the 10th best coach in college football after one season, yeah, that's damn impressive. James Franklin was the highest rated coach on cbs sports list he checks in at number nine so no big 10 coach inside the top five not surprising given the fact that no coach in the big 10 owns a championship ring so i completely understand why no big 10 coach was higher on that list get a ring and move up i mean that's exactly what happened uh, with a couple of coaches on that list, you know, you, you get a ring and you move up. You go get that ring and then, boom, all of a sudden you're one of the best coaches or viewed as one of the best coaches in the country, Ed Orgeron. Get that ring, jump up. Now, the the top five consisted of Ryan Kelly, Orgeron at four, uh, Lincoln Riley at three, Dabo Swinney, and then Nick Saban. So uh, Riley has not won a championship. And... That I don't think is hurting him because really if you look at, at the coaches on these lists, there's not a lot of them have um, really. Uh, it's just Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, and, and Orgeron. And Orgeron just joined the club this past year. So when you're looking at college coaches, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at a pretty damn solid top five. And if one of the Big Ten coaches wants to knock down the door and jump on in, 
I'm, I'm looking at Ryan Day and James Franklin. Those are my two biggest names to, to make that leap. And I think that it, it could happen. It might happen. But at the current moment, because none of them have that ring, they're not up there. And it's rightfully so. All right, one note on the basketball side of things. It looks like the Fighting Illini will be playing in the 2021 Hall of Fame Classic. That is going to be in Kansas City. The other teams that John Rothstein reports will be joining the Fighting Illini are Arkansas, Cincinnati, and Kansas State. So a, a nice, fun classic that Brad Underwood and his fighting Illini would play in uh, come next year. And that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I appreciate the listen. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site over there as well at Big Ten. I'm, I'm, rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great Thursday, Big Ten fans. I will talk to you tomorrow morning.